Hey everybody, welcome to the X Report. I'm Riven X, and alongside me today, we got one of our favorite teammates, aka the biggest Titans slash Grizzlies fans I know, aka Biggie, aka Ethan Tate. How you doing today, Ethan? I'm good. How you doing? I'm pretty swell, you know. Got a big game tonight. Hoping for the best, but you know, we'll I'm see how it all shakes out. Even though y'all put us out. I mean, if if we're being technical, did we put y'all out or did y'all put yourselves out? I can agree to that. We definitely did because we'll talk about it when we. Yeah, we'll get there. But yeah, um, but we got a cool show for you all today. We are going to talk the remaining head coaching vacancies and decide which ones we think are the best going to the worst. We're going to talk NBA and we are going to talk the recent slew of postponements and if the NBA should potentially pause their season. And with regards to the WWE, we're going to look at the Royal Rumble card and see which matches we are most looking forward to. But before we get to any of that, please be sure to check out the export.net. I repeat, the export.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers. Previous episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled the X Report. Now, without further ado, let's go ahead and get started with our college football player uh, spotlight. Before I go on, congratulations to Alabama for being the 2020 national champions. All I'm going to say is you're still not better than LSU 2019, but you know, congratulations. You enjoy the championship. Have fun with it. But uh, instead of going with the Ohio State or Alabama player, uh, this week I'm putting the spotlight on Notre Dame All-American linebacker Jeremiah Owosu. Karamoa. I hope I said that right. Um, in his final year as a fighting Irish, like I said, he was an All-American. Posted 56 tackles, one and a half sacks, a pick six. I mean, an interception, I'm sorry. Three pass deflections, two forced fumbles, five. Two, uh, two fumble recoveries, I'm sorry. Three forced fumbles and a defensive touchdown. Pretty much everything that you would want a linebacker to do, he did it. Now, even though I don't have him as high as a player like Michael Parsons, I still think he's going to go in the first round. So what team do you think could use him the most <coughs> on their squad? Um, I am going to go with, honestly, I'm going to go with the New England Patriots. I know that they need – I know that they've had a – a pretty steady defense this year. Their defense wasn't as great as it's normally been in the past. Mm -hmm. But why not continue to build that structure of a, having a great defensive team by drafting a All-American linebacker straight out of college? I can see that. For me, I'm going to say the Cleveland Browns. I think that their offense has shown that even though, like, with Jarvis leading, like, they still have a good overall receiving core. Their offensive line has been playing great, good run defense. The biggest issue with them is their defense. Outside of Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward, but Ward has shown he has a problem staying healthy, their defense is rough, especially a linebacker. And I think putting in a player like Jeremiah, you get an instant starter. Somebody who can definitely put a jolt to the middle of your defense that I think can help elevate their play. Because, I mean, we see how far they've been able to go, or at least how far they've been able to come without a good defense. Just imagine how much better they'll be once they can get some consistency on that side of the ball. But let's talk wild card weekend. Or been on a super wild card weekend because we had six games and it, they were all pretty fun to watch. Um, starting off with Saturday's action, the Los Angeles Rams beat the Seahawks thirty to twenty, Bills beat Colts twenty seven twenty four, and the Bucks beat Washington thirty one to twenty three. Starting Sunday's action off, Baltimore beat the Titans twenty to thirteen, New Orleans Saints beat the Bears twenty one to nine, and the Cleveland Browns beat the Steelers forty eight to thirty seven. 
Uh, last week, I went with my predictions. I went four and two. So, about I was wrong once a day, but I'll take that. I mean, the teams I really wanted to win won, so I'm good. How would you feel about wild card weekend overall? Uh, It was some good football being played. It was a lot of good games. I know some people said that a lot of the games were, in their opinion, were boring. But, I mean, it was a lot of, honestly, in my opinion, close contested games. It could have been, could have gone either way outside of the New Orleans game. Yeah. But I think, um, I think this this wild card weekend showed that it was a lot of coaching errors that be, that had been made. I.e., one of them, in my opinion, is Mike Variable. Not going for it on not fourth going, and two. Yeah, not going for yeah, it on I fourth and two. Going to. Mike Tomlin not going for it on fourth and one. And Agreed. honestly, and honestly, Pete Carroll, the way that he coached that game, I felt like he coached it. He didn't coach it to win. He, it was really conservative. Yeah, like this whole season, it was let Russ cook. And in the biggest game of the season so far, you didn't really do that. You kind of. Went pedestrian back to the old ways of Seattle football and ran the ball. And it's like... You don't I, need that right Yeah, now. and I understand that the Rams have an amazing defense. Jalen Rams is the best corner in the game right now. He honestly... He held DK Metcalf in check. But you guys had a lot of other weapons. Like you have... Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett, Will Dishley. Um, Chris Carson is a good receiver out of the backfield. Yeah. Like... They had people that they could get the ball to. I agree, because I know there was a lot of fourth and shorts that they didn't go for it. And it was like, why not? Like, cause especially because the Rams' offense really hadn't – outside of Cam Makers, they really weren't getting much going. So it wasn't like they just could not do anything. Their defense had made some really good plays. So, yeah, I totally agree. I think that some teams played it really conservative when it's like this is your biggest game of the season. You win or you go home. So why are you not being more aggressive? So yeah, I, I feel you on that. And to talk on the Ravens and Titans game, <clears throat> my issue is is that we I understand Derrick Henry is our workhorse, he's our bear cow, he's the star of our offense. <laughs> but in that game, our passing attack was effective. We were getting chunk plays and we were making big plays throughout the whole game. Why continue to try to force feed Derrick Henry when we and we have playmakers? It's not like we don't have weapons. Like we have AJ Brown, Corey Davis, John New Smith. Um, I think Fisker. Corey Corey Davis. I think he, he ended up hurt. getting hurt. Yeah, yeah. But, um, he, but yeah. even still, we still had weapons that can make plays, and it's like I feel like you were so dead set on trying to prove that we are a Smash Mouth football team that you cost the game. Honestly, I think that I'll say this while y'all got chunk plays. I think the offense really just stalled out within after the first quarter. Like after that, it was rough. It was really rough for you guys to really get going. And I think that, like you said, because Derrick Henry, I understand. Like when you got a back like Derrick Henry, you want a for you want him to have the rock because you just think he'll get a big play, he'll bust one open, and then he did it. Which is surprising to me because I was just waiting for it to happen. But, I mean, his longest run was like eight, eight nine yards. Yeah, like, yards. Yeah, like it wasn't even. And the thing is, what was working was going to A.J. Brown. You guys stopped really doing that after the first quarter, which, I mean, even though he pushed off on my boy Marlon in the end zone. Like, I was surprised y'all did that. Even with um, Corey Davis out, I mean, John New Smith was still there. Uh, like you said, Frankster, like, you had – I really expected more – out of Tennessee's offense, I'm not gonna complain about because real. But honestly, I was really impressed with Tennessee's defense. Like I know people gonna look at Lamar's numbers and be like, yeah. "Wow, that's crazy." But overall, like holding Baltimore to 20 points, like 
this was prob and not to mention y'all pass rush actually got home like four times. Yeah. Like this was the best defensive performance y'all and, have had. And they held the run game in check, which is something that y'all are known for. Outside of the huge run from Lamar, yeah, the, they held it in check throughout the whole game, honestly. Yeah, so it was shocking to see the defense actually step up, but the offense not do much. That was that that's really what uh And I got one more thing no, to say. About the whole stomping on the logo thing. A wise man by the name of Michael Jordan said this in the last dance. Never trust a man who can talk who gonna talk ish after they have a lead. The thing I can understand it. I can understand the frustration behind it. But in my opinion, if you were gonna have the energy, you should have had it from the start of the game. Like y'all should have came, y'all should have been doing all of that. It's easy to do it when you got a win when you got a lead and it's basically a foregone conclusion that you're gonna win the game. That's all I gotta say. I'm gonna disagree with that because I feel like it was more so of a respect thing. Baltimore was like, we're not gonna come and just stop on y'all y'all logo to start the game off, unlike some people's teams did week eleven. It's fine. It happened. But honestly, I think that I didn't have an issue with it. Honestly, I was hyped about it because I remember how much Malcolm Butler and the rest of the time yeah, were Malcolm disrespecting Butler was, us. Malcolm Butler was John and John Harbaugh, and I was like, "Yeah, bro, you don't. This not. This shouldn't be what you do." Because the thing is, I watched the video. They weren't like stomping on the logo. They honestly were breaking down in the middle of the field. Yeah, they were dancing. Are you talking about y'all? Yeah. Either way, still, it was disrespectful. And Malcolm Butler came out and then yeah, like really Ma- <clears throat> escalated the situation. Like if it would have been one of those situations where it's like, all right, let's just walk off that logo. It's straight. But Malcolm Butler started John and John Harbaugh, and you, there's bulletin board material. Yeah. So that's a big reason why I didn't have a problem with it. I mean, I'll take the 15 yards on the time. I'll take the fine that Marcus Peters got. Honestly, I get it because I feel like. Throughout the last couple times that we've played the Titans, it has not been much respect shown to us. And so it does not bother me when we don't do the same thing back. Like, I understand why Lamar didn't want to shake hands with players. I understand that. Especially because, real talk, I have no beef with the Titans. I don't mess with Malcolm Butler. Because Malcolm Butler does a whole bunch of talking. For a guy that gets burnt every Sunday. Right. And he'll just come come up with a pick occasion. Like, I remember the Packers game. He was getting done up. By Devontae Adams all game. He had Devontae Adams looking like he was playing Madden on rookie mode. Yeah, it was ugly. And then he gets one pick and he he got nerd talks up like, bro, bro, stop it. You're you're not that good. But other than that, like, I have no beef. Honestly, it's Malcolm Butler's fault. I blame Malcolm Butler. I feel you. If he was sat there and shut his mouth, this wouldn't happen. I think it was Malcolm Butler's fault. And I mean, and I was gonna throw John, not John Harbaugh, but Mike Verbal. But the thing is, Mike Verbal, the coach. Yeah. So he not gonna really, he did. In my opinion, he personally did what he was supposed to do. Yeah. Like he wasn't supposed to really engage into it. It was kind of funny just him saying, "Hey, bro, just go, coach." Right. But it was, in my opinion, it was it all hands on Malcolm Butler running his mouth. Yeah. If Malcolm Butler would shut up, I don't feel like it would have happened. Mm-hmm. Honestly. But uh, all right. So let's go ahead and move on to the players we're most impressed, disappointed, and our rookie of the week. Uh, starting with who I was most impressed by, I'm going to say Taylor Heineke, quarterback for Washington, only his second career start, a huge playoff game with big implications. You're going up against Tom Brady and the Bucks, And, I mean, he held his own. Like, he had a pick, but, I mean, I feel like you can live with that. He had over 300 passing yards, the t- two touchdowns, one passing, one rushing. Like, he, 
I'll say this. He provided Washington with the most spark I've seen them have out of a quarterback this year. Fact. And so it was really it was really cool to watch, especially because the Bucks defense is not bad. I mean, their secondary has its questions, and I mean, yeah, even without Devin White there, they were still, they were still. I mean, Antonio Gibson didn't do anything, and so Tyler Heineke. Oh my God! I know, right? But Taylor Heineke really had to step up, so I was really impressed by what he showed. Oh, I'm gonna be honest. I was really impressed by uh, Josh Allen. I was. I watched the majority of that um that game against the Colts, Mm -hmm. and he honestly took over that game. Yeah on the stretch and like pulled away because at first it was kind of neck and neck even though like it was a close game mm-hmm. and then him and Stephon Diggs just decided like hey we're going to turn it on and they made play after play and they won that game Right. so I was impressed by honestly I was impressed by the both of them so I'm going to say the combo of Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs totally understand I mean they played a great game especially against well, once again a close defense who is pretty good yeah um, my disappointed player, I can't just say a player. I'm going to say the Titans offense. Derrick Henry only had 40 yards. Offense held to three points after the first quarter. Um, they started off high and they kind of fell off. So, yeah, I go. I'm not going to go to obvious choice of the Titans. I'm going to go with the Seattle Seahawks offense as well yeah. for kind of the same reason. This is that was a these are two of the, these were two of the most prolific offenses throughout the history throughout the course of this season. And to see them kind of just fizzle out in the last game of the season. It's disappointing. Yeah, like the Titans averaged 30, some, I think 33.5 points throughout the season. And I know Seattle was right there with them. Yeah. And to see them only hit like the 20s and less, I think Seattle had what, like 16? Seattle had 20, uh, yeah. what's the call, had 13. Yeah, so to see them fizzle out like that, it was it wasn't good. So I'm disappointed in the Seahawks offense. Yeah, they were definitely my number two. And then my rookie of the week, going back to the Seattle game, I got Cam Akers, 28 rushes, 131 yards, and a touchdown. Pretty much every play was either I'm going to make a big play or I'm going nowhere. It was really no in-between for Akers. But, I mean, he, he propelled that offense. He was the best player on the Rams' offense by far. Yeah, I'm also going with Cam Akers for everything that you just said. The guy, he was the re- – offensively, he was the reason they won the game. Right. Because nothing else was going not at all. And you would think with having Cooper Cup and Robert Woods and even Tyler Higby, something would happen, but it was very much not that at all. But uh, let's go ahead and talk about some news before we get make our picks for the divisional round. Speaking of Tyler Heineke, I mean, if Chase Young, who is becoming the face of this franchise, hyping you up after you score a touchdown, pointing out your name in front of the camera does not give you a vote of confidence. I don't know what will. But it seems like not only Chase Young, but other uh, Washington teammates are really backing Heineke. Heineken, Heineke, after the game, said he believes he deserves to be in the league a little longer. And Washington's top receiver, Terry McLaurin, even said, I'll take number four on my team any day of the week, twice on Sunday. I hope for teammates in the future. So based off, I know it's just one game, but based off what you saw out of him during the playoffs, do you think that Heineke has earned a shot to compete for the starting role in Washington next year? Did they say this before or after they found out about his Twitter history? Uh, no, I think it was before because he got this. That happened a while ago, but I have, know it happened after the game. I know they said it after the game, but Man. the Twitter history thing was a thing like when he around when he got drafted. Okay. So that was a conversation. I think that's why what kind of pushed him down because at Old Dominion he had. Crazy numbers. No, I'm talking about the current Twitter history. Like he was liking a lot of the, like tweets about um 
Black Lives, the anti-Black Lives Matter movement and things of that nature. Oh, well, with regards to that, I'm not sure. I just know these were the comments after the game. Okay, but to answer your original question, I think he deserved, he, he's earned a shot to at least be, if anything, put on the practice squad or the, or the main roster because unless Washington drafts a quarterback, that quarterback room really doesn't have anything that's worth that has any excitement value to it. Right. Alex Smith, we know he was already labeled a game manager. Then he had a career-ending injury that he miraculously came back from, and he's he's a less mobile game manager. Kyle Allen, he's nothing to write home about. Right. This man stepped up in the in the biggest game of the season. Even though they lost, he put on a show. Now, the one thing I will say is he might have caught a lot of people by surprise because he that was his first game in the NFL. His and second. His second. He started a game for the Panthers last year. Okay, I didn't know. Well, but still, his second game in the NFL, so it's not a lot of game tape on him for defenses to study. Mm-hmm. But I feel like, you know, it's Washington. Y'all, y'all have a lot of exciting pieces on defense. Y'all have an amazing receiver in Terry McLaurin. Why not get this guy a shot and see if he if it's a um, lightning bolt in the pan? I would agree with that. Um, I look at it like this. Because they made the playoffs, it's like, yeah, we made the playoffs, but then you get pushed back further in the draft. So I want to say right now they're the 19th pick. No. And so let's be honest. Trevor's off the board. Justin's yeah, off the board. Zach Wilson is off the board. The guy from um, North Dakota State. Yeah, Trey Lance is potentially off the board. And then, so you can maybe say Mac Jones or Kyle Trask. Me, personally, I don't trust Kyle Trask. I would pass on him. Um, and then Mac Jones, I feel like he's more of a system quarterback. Like, you have to have a whole bunch of weapons in place in order for him to succeed. I don't see him coming out like a Jalen Hurts or even a Tua and just being able to produce. I don't see that for him. So, it really begs the question of, unless you can make a miraculous trade for a Deshaun Watson, who we'll get into, maybe Matthew Stafford, Matt Ryan, really, Heineke is possibly your best bet. Now, if you are going into the next season with the thought, okay, Heineke's going to be on my roster. I'm going to give him a chance to start. I would still draft the quarterback potentially maybe second, third round, and maybe add another receiver in the first round. But I think that there are worse options you could go. Because like like we were both saying, like I mean, Heineke provided more of a spark than any other quarterback this season. Like, sure, Alex Smith has a comeback story or whatever, but as far as overall play and giving this team energy – it was Heineke. So I think that with him under center, I think that Washington could potentially produce. And I, like I said, I think it is way worse options you could go. It could There are worse things you could do. Facts. And the thing of it is, is if they, in my personal opinion, I'm pretty sure you might agree with me on this. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> if Washington lands the right quarterback, they're winning that division. Because they have, they have some pretty decent pieces on offense. Like Trevor McLaurin, he's a good receiver. Um, Antonio Gibson, he's a good running back, but if they can land the right quarterback with it, with some of those offensive pieces that they have in their defense, I think they got that division. Honestly, I could really see that. I think that, especially with that defense, you add a couple more offensive pieces. And I mean, let's be honest, the NFC East is a dumpster fire right now. Like, I know you missed the show last week, but I was really looking forward to the conversation of, do the Giants even have a right to be upset at the Eagles? Like, y'all won six games. Like, even Logan Ryan said it. Like, you have no right to be upset about anybody. To me, to answer that question, they didn't. You have no right. Like, you won six games and you're you're whining because another team didn't want to help you. Forget you. I mean, the Eagles have their own drama. 
So we, why are we worried about what y'all got going on? Because honestly, I feel like if it was the Giants instead of watching it, it wouldn't have been as good of a game. I think that it would have just been a straight up blowout. Yeah, it would have been. It would have been a massacre. Exactly. So it's just like, all right, whatever, Giants. But yeah, I think that the NFC East is going to have a lot of turnover. Um, I know it's projected that Dak is going to go back to Dallas, but if he doesn't, I mean, honestly, even if he still does, I think that if they get the right situation in Washington, I think that they can really be competitive. What if he go to Washington? What if he, what if like, so I'm just throwing out a hypothetical. Yeah. What if he gets in his feelings because of all the, because of all the um, issues that came up with him getting a contract and says, you know what, I'm going to Washington. I mean, he could go. I don't think, Personally, I think Dak is cool to like put up numbers, but does he make your team like exceptionally better? No. So I think that yeah, they won the division, but I don't see them like as a playoff threat. But I mean, it would take a it would take a lot for Washington, any team right now in the NFC East to get to be a playoff threat. I think the team that's probably closest to it is the Eagles, but they got so much other mess going on. It's hard to really. I, I would say the Eagles just because if they get another receiver in there, well, yeah, that's, that's a lot. Most ball receivers there. Their defense is – they need another corner. Um, they have pieces on defense for sure. Yeah, of course, especially their defensive line. I mean, Fletcher Clocks, Brandon Graham, like, they're fine. So, yeah, I would say Eagles are the team that's, like, the closest I to think being one. Eagles 1A, Washington 1B. Fair enough, yeah. And so, yeah, but, I mean, that going there would make sense. I mean, they probably pay him. But it's just about – it really comes down to how healthy do you trust Dak to be and Malik and I were talking about this. with We had a long conversation about Dak Prescott. For me, it would come down to this. If I had Dak Prescott saying he want to sign a contract and I have the option to trade for Deshaun Watson. I'm going Deshaun. Every single time. I'm, I'm talking Every about, single time. I'm pulling from Steph Curry range to get Deshaun because Deshaun changes games and he impacts yeah. winning. Every single time. And so, when, so that honestly, if I'm a team, that's what it's going to come down to. Do I got a chance to get Deshaun Watson? No, all right, sure, I'll get that. But if I got a chance for the shine and Dak and step. But speed continuing the quarterback conversation, let's talk to it. Now, after posting a rookie year, a serviceable one, 1,800 passing yards, 11 touchdowns, three picks, three rushing touchdowns, did not play terrible. It seems that some Miami Dolphins players are not exactly sold. When asked about the season, uh, they said this because the brass said that he is going to be the starter for the future. But one player said, an anonymous player said this. I understand what they said, one player said, but I don't understand why. Um, these players are saying that they're excited for Ryan Fitzpatrick. And they said that with regards to Ryan Fitzpatrick, they think that he's a good player, but they feel like maybe Tua is not exactly the answer. So, Ethan, do you think everybody's being a little too hard early on Tua, or do you think that the criticism is warranted? I think people are being too hard. Being hard on Tua, for one, we, we've talked about this on an earlier episode where we both have stated where we think whenever they had Tua in the game, they played really conservative. Yeah. Like, we really don't even know what the real Tua Tungvaluwa is because when he's on when he's on the field, the offense is – the playbook is shortened. Mm-hmm. And, like, they don't run the same play. Some of that you understand, like, he's a rookie. You don't want to get him fully immersed into – you want to give him some time to learn the playbook and things of that nature. But I definitely think that he people are being hard on him. Yes, he didn't have the greatest rookie season, especially when you look at Justin Herbert in San Diego, and he put up numbers. Yeah. But he didn't win. That's the one thing that you can kind of say about Tua. At least Tua affected winning. Yeah. He but, didn't play bad enough for you to lose. Yeah. 
besides the Bills game. Yeah. And I think that I, I will say this. If the Texans do want to have an offer for Deshaun Watson centered around two, go for it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like, because the thing is, this is this was what Deshaun Watson's second, third year in the NFL. This was his full third year. So Deshaun Watson's twenty five. So if you if you bring him to Miami with no, I lied. This is okay. Wait, I gotta think of it in the Patrick. I mean Patrick Mahomes terms because okay. sat out MVP and then Super Bowl. So no, it's his fourth year. Okay. Regardless, if this man is twenty five years old. And if you are able to get him with that defense that you already have, with this head coach that they, that people on their team love to play for, and you also be you also able to get him a couple weapons on offense, you can look up in a couple years. Miami's gonna be might be contending for a Super Bowl. I can see that with Deshaun Watson. With Tua, he yes he's younger. The one thing that I can say hampers him is the fact that. He did have that major injury in college. And his game, I'm not going to say his game tape looks bad, but it's like you could visibly tell that he wasn't, like they didn't unleash the whole playbook. Because you saw the difference in the play calls with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tua. Yeah. And I think that kind of also goes into Tua being a rookie and not wanting to make too many mistakes. Yeah. Because I, you could see like Ryan Fitzpatrick, he wouldn't be afraid to throw He'll just do it. I mean, if you need any example of that, just watch the Raiders game. Like, watch the Nola face mask call that went, pretty much won them the game. Like, those deep passes, he's not afraid to make. Whereas Tua is more pensive. He's more so, he doesn't want to mess up. And so, he doesn't want to make those passes. But in honesty, I think that you kind of have to take those chances. And I think that, I agree. I think we are, everybody's been a little too tough on Tua. Like, I think that, like, I, I think it's just tough because of the quarterbacks he played with. Joe Burrow, before he got hurt, was playing lights out. Justin Herbert, as you mentioned, was playing really well. And then even Jalen Hurts, who I feel like it kind of showed he was kind of rushed to the starting job. I mean, he he, he was producing. He was producing. Yeah, I mean, he was he was electric. And then there's Tua, who's like, Tua's fine. And he was the mo- he was the one that had the most hype. Out oh, of yeah. Him. Remember tanking for Tua? That was, yeah. that was a thing. And so... I think that's kind of what hinders Tua a bit. Um, but I think that next year, if he does stay, um, if they don't try to trade for Deshaun Watson, I think the biggest thing is he's going to have to become more aggressive. I think he's going to have to assert himself more as a starting quarterback, take more chances downfield. And I think that what will help is them getting him more weapons. Because let's be honest, like Miami's offense, it's going to look completely different in a year. Mm-hmm. Devontae uh, Parker may still be there and Mike Jasicki. I mean, Miles Gaskin has a chance, but I mean, with all the draft picks that Miami has, and you got two in the first round, I mean, they're gonna mostly be offensive picks, especially because their defense is mostly set. So I think Tua deserves a little bit more time. Give him like at least another year, and then if it's the same problems that we've been seeing, then you know. Pull the plug. Exactly. I mean, teams are doing that now. You you got one year. Arizona showed you can do that. You can draft somebody 10th overall or 15th overall. I don't remember where Josh – I think it was 10th. And then next year you get a new coach and everything. I want Kyler Murray. Like, teams are making that a thing. So, it's no real commitment. But if I was Miami, you have more needs than just getting another quarterback. So, if – like I said, unless I'm traded for Deshaun, just ride out with Tua. But – uh. Let's talk some head coaching jobs now. As we know, there's quite a few vacancies um, holding up. So, 
First off, let's congratulate the new head coaches, Urban Meyer, signing with the Jacksonville Jaguars, hoping to turn that one around. Arthur Smith, Titans offensive coordinator, is going to now be coaching the Atlanta Falcons. And then Robert Sala, defensive coordinator for San Francisco 49ers, is going to take his talents to the New York Jets, which God help him. So yeah. of the three um, of the three signs that we know so far, which one do you think is going to work out the best? Arthur Smith. And the reason I say this is because if he if they keep the team that they have intact, their offense, I don't know as much about the defense, but their offense is going to put up numbers. Yeah. Because like we just stated earlier, this is the same offensive coordinator that just led the Titans to having a the highest rated scoring offense in the NFL. And he pretty much has similar pieces, but better in different places. Like you have Julio, he's a better, a way better version of AJ Brown. He's a Calvin bigger body. Really. Calvin really, he's a better version of Corey Davis. The Justin Gage guy that I that just burst on the scene, he's a beast. Cool, yeah, man. Russell Gage. I'm sorry. You good? And then like, just imagine if they re-signed Todd Gurley because for whatever reason, Todd Gurley found himself again when he was in Atlanta, at least for the first half of the season. Yeah. So he, their offense is going to be amazing. I just worry about what their defense is going to look like. Yeah. But I definitely have to go with Arthur Smith. I think that in terms of if we look at what they have right now, I will also say Arthur Smith. But, I mean, I low-key feel like it's still going to be quite a bit of turnover in Atlanta. Like, I'd be shocked if the season started next year, Matt Ryan and Julio were both there. Like, I feel like one of them is going to be traded, cough, cough, coming to Julio, coming to Baltimore, Julio. But, yeah, like I said, in terms of what they have right now, I would also agree Arthur Smith. But I feel like in terms of the future, I'm going to say Urban Meyer because Jacksonville has, what, 11 draft picks including the number one overall pick. Urban Meyer is going to have the opportunity to really shape this team in his image, however he wants it to be. They have cool young pieces such as C.J. Henderson in the corner, um, D.J. Chark, James Robinson, Robinson, who played great. Um, An offensive line that was not the worst thing I've ever seen, LaVisca Chenault, who had a solid rookie year. So I think that Jacksonville, if they can can make the most of this offseason, I think that they can make this team – Better, especially because I think that the AFC South, it's very, it's like the Titans, and then we don't it's really jumbled. know. Yeah, it's like you don't really know after that. Like every team has questions. Okay, the Colts are going to be solid, but who's going to be their quarterback? Well, yeah, what's up with their quarterback? What are they doing offensively? You look at the Texans. We are we're going to get to that, but I mean, let's be honest. Deshaun Watson's not there. What are you watching the Texans game for? And then JJ Watt. And he might be gone. JJ might be gone. Honestly, but I love JJ. I think I think everybody in the league has a healthy respect for JJ Watt. But if JJ Watt is gonna to have to go back to being the centerpiece of that team, who is not gonna have a quarterback, it will remind me of the days of Matt Schaub as their quarterback, bro. Mm-hmm. Like it was it was ugly it was days. Bad. And I love Andre Johnson. God bless him. He did his best, but no. And Aaron Foster. Yeah, Arian Foster was the was a dog too when he was healthy. Yeah. But yeah, like the AFC South is kind of up for grabs, and I think that of course the Titans look like they're gonna win it again. But it could be a situation not like as far as bad records, but like the NFC East where we don't know what's gonna happen. Yeah. So if Jacksonville builds their team the way that they 
to the best of their ability and like hit on free agency and hit on these draft picks, it could really change how we look at the AFC South. So in terms of potential, I'm gonna say the Jags. But yeah, right now it's gotta be Atlanta. I think my only thing with the Jags is like are NFL players going to want to listen to Urban Meyer? That'll be the hard part. Because he had all of his success came in college. And his brief NFL experience wasn't great. Yeah. And like his coaching style, like I was I've been listening to a couple podcasts and a couple a lot of the podcasts I've listened to, they've talked about it. His coaching style is I'm going to put fear in you. And like we as we've seen with NFL players, that as that approach doesn't work all the time. Like unless you're Bill Belichick, it's not gonna work. It's not gonna work. You don't have that respect. You don't have that respect, and it's one of those situations where, and it's also this whole stuff about his health and things of that nature. Yeah. And I mean, even still, like he lost the locker room in Florida. Yeah. Like cats were getting arrested left and right, and then he just he was like, "All right, I'm he, leaving. I'm dipping." And so it's like I don't like the potential is there. I feel like me personally. If I were Jacksonville, I wouldn't have went with a, for a college coach mm-hmm. because, like, our NFL players going to respect this guy. Like, it's going to be like, bro, we're playing in the highest level of football it is. Yeah. When you coached it before, you weren't good. So why should I listen to you now? And the NFL has changed dramatically. Yes, the, <clears throat> the one thing I can say, like, the NFL now has a lot of college elements in it. Mm-hmm. But it's still, like, grown men. Grown men, like. It's not it's not eighteen nineteen it's not eighteen nineteen year olds that you coaching. You're coaching dudes that got families, dudes that got mortgages and all of these things. Like, are they gonna listen to him? Agreed. <clears throat> and I think that one, I think they hired him just because he because of his name. And then two, I think that I don't think the respect factor will be as much of a problem because Jacksonville is a pretty young team already. True. And so if you're surrounded by young guys, especially a whole bunch of rookies, hell yeah, they're going to listen to you. Like second-year players because this is their opportunity. True. So I think that that would work better for them as opposed to a team that's like full of vets, like let's say the Lions. Yeah. But uh, speaking of the Lions, all right, let's rank the uh, remaining head coaching jobs. So, so far, the Lions have Dan Campbell in their sights, but it's not officially confirmed. So we got Lions, Eagles, Chargers, and Texans. So, Ethan, of the four remaining jobs, rank them from which one you feel like the best and which one is the worst. So, list them again in order. It is, we got Eagles, Lions, Chargers, Texans. All right, so number one, I'm going with the Eagles because they're in a bad division, first off. They have pieces on defense. Apparently, for the time being, they look like they have a potential future franchise quarterback in Jalen Hurts. They do have a couple pieces on offense. They do need help on offense. Second, I'm going with the Chargers because they have a young quarterback who you can groom and mold, and they have a lot of key pieces on offense. Mm -hmm. And their defense, they have pieces there too. Mm -hmm. I think their defense might have – they didn't perform as good as I thought they would, seeing the pieces that they have, mm-hmm. but they could potentially have improvement. Then I'm going to go with the Detroit Lions. They have, for the time being, they have Matthew Stafford, Kenny Galladay. They have some pieces on offense. Their defense is shaky, and honestly, I got to go with the Houston Texans last because it's like it's such a it's such a huge compile of mess there yeah. that it's going to take 
a lot of time to fix. And I feel like whatever head coach comes there, it's going gonna, it's gonna to have to be a couple seasons to right this ship. All right. So, one, I'm going to say the Texans. Of course, this is with the asterisk of Deshaun Watson stays put. If Deshaun Watson stays put, I think that you have a team that offensively is going to put up points. Especially if you draft a running back and then receiving core, Will Phil is probably going to leave. But, I mean, you can still get a quality receiver um, for relatively cheap. And then, of course, you're going to focus on the defense. But I feel like, like we just said, with the AFC South, I mean, a lot of things can happen. So, like I said, with the asterisk, I would say Texans won just because of the remaining jobs, you have the best quarterback situation. I feel like whoever they hire is going to have a long talk with Deshaun Watson about what can I do to make you happy? What can I do to make you better? What can I do to help bring the Texans back to um, playoff glory? So, like I said, that's number one with Deshaun and Toe. If not, they're number four. Number two, I'm going to say the Chargers. Reason being, another comfortable quarterback situation. You have um, Justin Herbert there, and you have solid offensive pieces, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, um, Austin Eckler. And defensively, like, I think the biggest thing is they just need to, one, they need to get healthy. Derwin James has missed the last two years. Joey Bosa's been great, Melvin Ingram might walk out. I feel like you get more a young flux of talent, cats who want to buy in. I feel like you can make the Chargers a team worth watching. Three Eagles, just because who – Jalen Hurts looks like he can be a franchise, but it seems like they want Carson Wentz to still be the guy, and that's just real confusing. But I totally agree as far as, like, the division. The division makes things a lot more favorable because the NFC East is literally wide open. And I think that, like I I said, of the teams, I think they're the team that's closest to being a playoff threat. But still, you got to go through so much crap with the quarterback group. you got to try to fix this offense because, let's be honest, the offense is broken. Like, and I think that with Howie Roseman there, I'm really questioning his decision-making. And just because as far as who he decides to bring in, the offensive decisions. Like, how do you get Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson? Like, Facts. Like, even before, even during the draft. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I, I would pretty much, I could have had a Justin Jefferson Eagles jersey made with how confident I thought they were going to get him if he was available. And then you do that. That was I'm stupid. So, yeah, like, and then just decisions like, why get a Jalen Hurts instead of getting more offensive talent if you know your offense needs help? Why not bring in more corners? So, I feel like the kind of the relationship with Howie Roseman may get a bit jumbled just because Howie Roseman is not necessarily, you don't have much say in your roster. And that would frustrate me. And I think that's a big reason why, like, Doug Peterson wasn't too hell-bent or hurt by getting fired. And then, uh, number four, the Lions. I love I love Matthew Stafford. I am the biggest Lions apologist. But free agency is about to be tough. Marvin Jones is a free agent. Uh, Kenny Galladay is a free agent. I think Danny Amendola might be a free agent, too. Like, defensively. Yeah, after after hearing you say all that. Yeah. Because they might get plucked. Yeah. Like, a lot of their offensive weapons. Because I'm going to be honest. We have to re-sign Corey Davis. But if it's a way that we can get... Kenny Galladay? I'll take Kenny. I'll I think Kenny will be cheaper, especially because he coming off – he barely played last year. Hell yeah, I'll take Kenny Galladay in the swiftness. Him and AJ Brown? Oh, my Lord. Yeah, no, that'd be nice. And then the thing is, your running back group, DeAndre Swift, showed potential, but after that, it's kind of rough. Jeff Okuda then is looking kind of so rough his rookie year. Like, the Lions have a lot of holes they need to fix, and I feel like – Whereas the Texans, most of their holes, like excluding the Deshaun thing, is on defense, and you can kind of work through it. The Lions have holes everywhere. 
And if Matthew Stafford's like, hey, nice to meet you, coach. I don't want to deal with a rebuild. Trade me. It's it's rough. Yeah. It's hard out here. And, I mean, he just was proving that you, honestly, you can win a Super Bowl with a good offense and a not-so-good defense. Yeah. Kansas City just did it. Right. I mean, not, to be fair, not every defense has a Tyron Matthew. But, you know, it can be done. The Lions, on the other hand, do not have a Tyron Matthew. So, yeah. But, all right, we've been talking about it a little bit. But now it's really time to talk to Sean Watson. And I think DeAndre Hopkins said it best that when Dre speaks, you listen. And we've been hearing reports about Deshaun being unhappy, not being happy with the decisions that the ownership has made, McNair family. And even Andre Johnson took to Twitter to say this about his former team. If I'm Deshaun Watson, I will stand my ground. The Texas organization is known for wasting players' careers. Since Jack Esterby, yeah, case in point, because he was amazing. Since Jack Esterby has walked into the building, nothing good has happened in slash for the organization. And for some reason, someone can't seem to see what's going on. Pathetic. It's just so much going on. And we just keep hearing more and more about Deshaun being unhappy. With regards to the head coaching search and X, Y, and Z, what's going on in Houston? All right, so the first thing I'm going to say is, like, I know we just, you mentioned, like, if they get a new coach, the first thing they're going to do is sit down with Deshaun. That's fine and Danny, but Deshaun's issue wasn't with coaching, it's with ownership. Like, in in my opinion, this one of the situations where it don't matter who you hire, I have an issue with the people that's above you. Right. So, I'm going to be out regardless. And the thing is, me personally, like, we all know the history of the Houston Texans. We've, it's very well famously chronicled that they, some. I think their owner, Bob McNair, made the statement of, I'm not trying to have the prisons running Run them. jail, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like. Then he they, died, and then I don't think any Texans player was sad. Yeah. And then his now his son is the owner of said team. And I'm pretty sure his son had the same mindset. And it's like, this is that old school, down south. Leadership. Leadership. Like, I pay you to play football and that's it. Shut up and dribble, essentially. Yeah, pretty much. So I think with Deshaun, if I were him, bro, I would get on the first thing smoking. Yeah. Because like Andre Johnson just stated, they've known, they've historically wasted players' careers. They wasted his career. They wasted Arian Foster's career. Even JJ Watt. JJ Watt. Even though like Arian was hurt, but it when was he played. He, he, when he played, he was amazing, and it was him and Andre Johnson on the field at the same time. And then their quarterback was Matt Shaw for most of the time. And they yes, and it's like. They never made moves to get better to improve their roster around those two guys. Because with them, if they would have had a different quarterback, they would have made some noise. Oh, absolutely. And with before J.J., Mario Williams. Mario he, Williams was great. Honestly, Brian Cushion was a dog to yeah. linebacker. Like, they wasted a lot of cast careers. So, if I'm Deshaun Watson, I'm getting on the first thing smoking, and I'm not going to lie. I'm going. I want to head to San Francisco. I understand that would be easy money. I understand that you know you want to. You like Miami because they have a black head coach and a black GM. But San Francisco's pretty progressive too. Yeah, my thing with them is is you won't have weapons. Like you barely you barely had weapons in Houston, 
But the weapons in Miami aren't as good, in my opinion. But I think the only thing about Miami is they still got a good amount of draft picks. That's true. Like, even if, and they still got decent-sized cap space. So, I mean, even if they lose, let's say the, honestly, if I'm Houston, I'm like, look, if I'm giving up my the best quarterback I probably had in 20 years, you giving me both your ones, maybe a two and a three. Like, you, you coming up with a lot and two of but if they can find a way to at least keep one of their picks and still have a sizable return, because most of their picks coincidentally are from Houston. Yeah. I mean, I'd be cool with it. I'd I'd be perfectly fine with it. It's just because, like you said, Miami right now does not have many weapons. But I mean, outside, well, let's be honest, Will Fuller missed most of the year because he ended up getting suspended. And then Brandon Cooks was up and down. Brandon Cooks, right? But Deshaun still led the league in passing yards. Sure. He still was dynamic. So, it's not many quarterbacks who you can say you just put them anywhere and then they can ball out. But I feel like Deshaun is one of those cats who, like, you put him in Miami, they're in a playoff team. Like, you put him in Miami and you get him maybe uh, a wide receiver like Rondell Moore out of Purdue or Terrence Marshall out of LSU, even if you can't get a guy like Devontae Smith or Jamar Chase or maybe a Jalen Waddle, you're still going to be in the playoffs. And not only in the playoffs, you could potentially win the division. Because if you ask me, Josh Allen had a tremendous year, but if I had to pick between Josh Allen and Deshaun Watson, I'm taking Deshaun Watson. Facts. So yeah. And I'm a Josh Allen fan. Yeah, as a player, like I I've really grown to respect Josh Allen because like one of my favorite things to see in any athlete is growth. How are you getting better each year? And Josh Allen has really showcased that. So it's a lot of much respect to him. But um, yeah, no. Now you said you feel like so you said San Francisco, but what team do you think is the best overall fit that one realistically, like I said, it's a good fit, but two, he would have a best chance to win a Super Bowl with San Francisco. Fair. Like they already, they already have pieces in place. He will have George Kittle. He would have Brandon Ayuk. Um, like they don't Debo Samuel. He will already have offensive, somewhat established offensive weapons, and he would have. A way better defense than he had in Houston. Yeah. I hate to be that person. And it's not going to happen more than likely. But Sean Watson with the Patriots would be... uh, Nah. It'd be great. And I know you're saying nah, but I look at it like this. Bill Belichick saw that this year, he cannot just throw out whoever on offense and expect good things to happen. In order for his team to have success, they have to be aggressive. They have to have weapons on the outside. So I feel like if they get Deshaun Watson, one, people are going to play for the Patriots just because they're the Patriots, because of the namesake. And then two, wide receivers, they're going to pretty much be banging on the door to come to a New England. Now, realistically, it's probably not going to happen just because of the cap situation, but I feel like in terms of immediate success, because the AFC East is a much easier division than the NFC West right now, I would say the Patriots. I don't think it's gonna happen, but I think in terms of getting back to the getting to the Super Bowl, I think that would be his best bet. But I mean, long as he don't go to the Steelers, because I don't want to have any reason to root for the Steelers. Nothing. That's just cold blood. All right, last thing before we make game picks, it's gonna be a lot of wide receivers available in the free agent market. Um, one of which being Allen Robinson, who. Throughout the year, they had talked. The Bears and him have talked about signing the deal, but it never happened. When asked about impending free agency, Robinson said, "I personally feel like we had an opportunity to be able to get something done over the past 365 days. 
Um, simply put, I'm out of here. And then uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, who is also going to be a free agent. And let's be honest, if you look at how many players the Steelers have going into free agency, it's a lot. And they also don't have a lot of money considering Big Ben is taking up $41 million of their cap for next year. But Juju said this about the game, about the team. I would love to be back for more to be a part of the group that brings the, this organization to where it belongs. I think they're right where they belong, for being honest. But let's say your team, Juju on one hand, Allen Robinson on the other. Who you picking? Allen Robinson. Agreed. Because, simple fact, he's going to be productive. He's not going to have the answers of a Juju. Like, in all honesty, Juju had the entire NFL put a major target on Pittsburgh's back. Yeah. And we just talked about logo dancing and stomping. So, like, there's it, no further reason why, like, I'm picking Allen Robinson. Really? I think, I'm sorry, go ahead. I just think, overall, I think he's a better receiver, and I also don't have to deal with the side issues of, um, of his behavior. Real talk, one of my favorite things all season was when Von Bell, they asked him about Juju dancing on logos. Like, I mean, yeah, he can dance, but uh, all we got to do is make sure we hit him after he do. <laughs> when and he, he fumbled on the logo. He popped him. <laughs> like. Oh, man. How, that was probably one of my favorite, excluding the Ravens game, that was my favorite Monday night football moment. That was hilarious. Oh, man. And they won the game, too. Yeah. Oh, Steelers, you guys make things funny. But, yeah, no, I, I would agree. I would say Allen Robinson, the only way I would pick Juju over him is if I'm a team that already has an established number one. Yeah. Like, for example, Green Bay. Devontae is your number one. We've seen that Juju works best when he is not expected to be the number one receiver, when he has somebody else taking away attention. That's when he thrives, case in point, when Antonio Brown was there. And so I feel like a team like the Packers, that would be a great fit for Juju because he wouldn't be asked to do too much. And, I mean, I know he can – because I remember after he got – after this Tennessee game, he was like, people trying to change personality, trying to change who I am, blah, blah, blah. That's how the crowd nobody cared about. But it was just like – I feel like with the Packers, especially a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, he's going to be like, hey, I'm not going shut that down. Bro. Did it. Stop Sex. it. Let your play do the talking. Like, you can celebrate. You can dance all you want to in the end zone. And so, I like I said, teams like that I think will be a good fit. But, like, if he goes to a team like Miami – and the Miami we have now, he's expected to be number one receiver. It's not going to work. But let's go ahead and make game picks. Starting off with today's game, starting with the Los Angeles Rams versus the Green Bay Packers. I got Packers. I got Packers. Buffalo Bills taking on my Baltimore Ravens. And as much as I want to see my Ravens win, and I think it's a 50-50, it's a toss-up, I'm going to say Bills, but it's not, it's not going to be a blowout. It's going to be real close. I got Ravens. The Bills can't stop the run. Honestly, it's funny you say it because I think that it's going to come down to the Bills running game. I think that if Josh Allen is has to be responsible for running the ball every time, the Ravens going to lay him out. And I think that if you're expected to throw the ball 30, 40 times against Baltimore, it's not going to work because there's just too much depth there for it to actually work. And then their pass rushers are going to eventually get home. So I think that if it comes down to a game like that, the Bills aren't going to win. But if Devin Singletary can actually have a good game, like, honestly, if they can have a game that the Patriots had against us yeah. where they just come out of nowhere to, like, running, I think that's the only – I think that's how they win. But, you know, if Baltimore wins, then I'm going to wear my hoodie over last week. I think it's good luck. Um, moving on to tomorrow's game, the Cleveland Browns 
versus the Kansas City Chiefs. I know the Browns are feeling themselves. You know what? They made it this far. Nobody expected them to. I got Chiefs by like 10. So, when I used to play basketball at the crop, there was this one guy. He used to, he had a famous saying, and their saying was back to reality. The Cleveland Browns coming back to reality, and they taking the L. But you know what? Respect to them. I didn't think they'd make it this far. God Me bless them. But, you know, I was, yeah, like you said, respect to them. They made strides. They made definite improvements. Baker Mayfield progressed as a quarterback. He also cut down on a lot of the things that people didn't like about him personality-wise. Yeah. So I feel like they have a nice feature to build on with their team. But they taking their L tomorrow. Yeah, because their defense just, it's not going to be able to stop the Chiefs. I know Denzel Ward coming back, but Tyreek Hill is he not going to have the same deal. And then finally, the History Channel game. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the New Orleans Saints. I got Bucks. Um, Yeah, I don't think the Saints beat them three times in a row. I got Saints. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. But I'm excited to see how this shakes out. Uh, players, I'm looking forward to watching Drew Brees. He's been, since he's been back, he's been uh, real 42-43 looking. He's just not looked that great. But, I mean, let's be honest. He's old. Father Tom does not lose. He's going to catch you eventually. So, I think that for them to win, I know everybody's saying Alvin Kamara because he was the driving force during the regular season. But I feel like Drew Brees is going to have to come out there and dominate. He's going to have to have his best game of the season in order to win this game. Uh, defensively, I'm watching Jalen Ramsey. I'm excited to the matchup between him and Devontae Adams, even though I do think that Adams is going to get the better of the two. And then my rookie is going to be Legereus Snead, defensive back for the Chiefs, somebody not that familiar to casual fans. But he has shown really big strides um, throughout the year, and I think that the Browns' offense is feeling itself. I think Jarvis has really found a spark, which I love Jarvis, go LSU, all that good stuff. But I think that Legereus Snead is going to have to – I think he's going to have a good game because I think that with how good the Chiefs feel about themselves, I feel like they're going to take more chances, especially because they really don't have anything to lose in this game. And so I think that Snead is going to have some big plays. And, of course, I'm calling out my Ravens. So, offensively, I'm going to be looking at J.K. Dobbins. I know the Ravens are a run-by-committee team. But J.K. Dobbins, especially throughout the second half of this season, he took over as the lead back. Mark Ingram, he, he father time is starting to catch up with him. And J.K. Dobbins stepped in, and he produced. So I'm looking, and in my opinion, honestly, Josh Allen is a dynamic quarterback, so what do you do against dynamic quarterbacks? You run the ball so they don't have to be on the field. So I'm looking for J.K. Dobbins to have a a big game. Defensively, I'm also looking at Jalen Ramsey because, in my opinion, that's the best matchup of the whole week, Mm -hmm. him versus Devontae. So I'm looking at that because it's going to be a dog fight, and I'm here for it. And my rookie to watch is another running back. I'm going to be looking at Cam Akers for the same reason that I said for J.K. Dobbins. You have to have a dominant run game to slow down these prolific quarterbacks because you don't want them. You want them to have as little time on the field as possible. This man had 100 and what, 23, 28 yep. rushing yards? 31. 31, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. 131 rushing yards in his game against Seattle. I understand that. Green Bay's defense is different from Seattle, but maybe history can repeat themselves. I don't have them winning, but if he has a big game, that could change a lot of that thought. All right, let's talk NBA. 
Uh, starting with your top three takeaways from this week's action. The little action it was, because it just seemed games left and right. Which is, what you got? Top three takeaways. Number three, COVID sucks. Yeah. Because it's postponing pretty much every game, it seems like. Number two, honestly, that crit- the critics have woken up MVP Steph Curry. Yeah. Like, ever since people criticized him and he saw it, he's been playing phenomenal. I think he's only had one bad game since that moment. Mm-hmm. And he's been the driving force of their team. And number one, I'm a LeBron fan, but people are overhyping this whole him turning around when he shot thing. Like, the story behind it cool. was dope, but the actual moment in itself like, I had to have a discussion about this with some dudes in my in a group chat that I hoop with. Like, bro, y'all hyping this up. But Steph Curry was doing this every game. Right. And it's like, LeBron does it once and it breaks the internet. Like... Because it's LeBron. I know. And I love LeBron. I'm a big LeBron fan on the court and off the court. But it's like, bro, what he did, we've seen before. Now... It didn't happen until LeBron did it. Pretty much. That's what it feel like. Yeah. So... Like, when it come down to stuff like this, just stop hyping LeBron and stop riding his nuts. Like, I, I'm a Bron fan. I used to be a Bron sexual, but I came down from that. Okay, I'm happy to hear it. But stop riding his nuts so much because Steph Curry, Steph Curry did it first. Because then if he would have missed it, then it would have been like, oh, well, yeah, he's not normally a three-point shooter. Why are you giving him the Nick Young treatment? Like, bro, shut up. Shut up. It happened. Get over it. All right, so let's talk Mamba players of the week, starting with the Eastern Conference. It was tough because it was between who I'm picking, Joel and B, and Bradley Beal. But I went with Embiid because at least his team has so far been winning. Um, Joel and B thus far, this, I mean, this season has been looking like a real MVP candidate, especially when he's been healthy. And I think that it just kind of goes to show that the NBA and the media, like, they buy so much into one year that they forget continued production. And so I think that Embiid is really showing everybody, like, nah, I'm still that cat. Yeah, I also got to agree with you with Joel Embiid because, for one, I can honestly and truly say this about Joel. This is the first time he's been on a team that has adequate spacing. Mm-hmm. And you can see it. Like, he has room to do his work on the on the block. Like he's not just jacking up. He's not. He's take. I think he's taking fewer threes than he took in a in a long time. Mm-hmm. Most of his work is coming from the inside, where he's the most dominant, and you can see it. Like he he is a a fusion of a throwback big who you can throw the ball to on the block, and a current day big where he can make plays handling the ball and shooting on the perimeter. So I got to go with Joel from the East. All right, for the Western Conference, my mom, the player of the week, has to be Steph Curry. I mean, you just mentioned it. He's woken up. I mean, starting with that 62-point performance he had a couple weeks ago, just to what he's been able to do thus far. I mean, he's really been carrying the Warriors, I mean, as he's had to. And it's been really exciting to watch. I think that kind of a thing that started off was, I mean, he still had a broken thumb. Like, he still kind of had to work back from that injury. It's not an easy injury to work for through, especially on your shooting hands. So, it's good to see him back in action. My mama player for the West, I got to go with Kawhi Leonard. He's been he, he's he's the one superstar that's hard to just talk about and gawk about because for one his game is so fundamentally sound and it's pretty 
You can say it's boring, but it's very effective. He gets the job done. And he's been putting up productive numbers throughout the whole course of the season. He's effective winning on both ends of the court. I know a lot of people have been kind of gawking more over Paul George because, like, he's actually putting up good numbers and he's not choking him back in big situations. But I got to show Kawhi some love because he's been doing this throughout the whole season. Respect. I think it just – when players are just that good all the time, we just get used to it. Yeah. And so, like, we just kind of expect it. And then if they don't do it, then it's like, well, what happened here? So, yeah, I agree. Kawhi's definitely been balling. And my uh, rookie mamba of the week, I'm going to say Tyrese Halliburton, guard for the Kings. I mean, he's had a really nice stretch of games. He's proven to be one of the – better draft picks thus far. I mean, even without being really in the starting role, he's consistently put up double digits. This past game, last night, was the first time he hadn't done it in, what, like, eight, nine games. So, yeah, much respect to Halliburton. For me, I would say Halliburton, but I'm also I'm going to go with familiar name. For anybody that knows me, I got to go with James Wiseman. Mm-hmm. He's been – he hasn't really had like a lot of spectacular performances. He had a couple like the beginning of the season, but he's had a lot of great steady performances. And I think he's slowly starting to understand his role and his niche with the Warrior team. Mm-hmm. And especially once Draymond came back, you can see a lot of a lot of the things that he could bring to the table to help the team. Like he's getting block, he's getting a block at the free throw line, taking the ball coast to coast and dunking. He just dunked on bowl bowl like maybe two or three days ago. Right. Like he's making a lot of splash impact plays and I think that once once he gets some more um repetition with their league and with their team, he's gonna have an expanded role and you're really gonna see him put up bigger numbers. Agreed. Um so let's go ahead Move on. Let's talk some league news, starting with Markel Fultz. I know it happened a week or so ago, but, I mean, it sucks because Markel Fultz was really coming into his own this year. He was having a much better performance than we've seen in the past. It looked like he was on the right path, and then he tears his ACL. Of course, going to end his year. Hopefully, he'll be back by the start of next season. So, just in terms of Markel Fultz and the progression that he has, do you feel like he will ever really be a player who you can consistently trust? Um, if he stays healthy, yes. And the reason I say that is because you saw with him in Orlando, with the more reps that he got and the more game time that he got, he was progressing. Like this season was statistically, if I can, if I can remember correctly, this was his best season to date. Yeah. Like he was having career highs in every category. And I think that if he's healthy, he will continue to perform. I don't know. And I also can say, like, I don't really know how his game would change and develop or if it would stay the same because of his ACL injury. Because Markel, he's more of a slasher. He likes to get to the basket, make plays around the basket. And we all know how ACLs work. Right. Like, are you going to have that same push when you make when you go to make a, a move or get try to blow past somebody? But if he's healthy and he's able to fully recover from his ACL I could potentially see him still being a trusted player, especially in that Orlando situation. Yeah, because one, who else is Orlando really going to trust? But two, I just think that it's been a lot happening in just his, what, third, fourth year? He's had to overcome a lot, whether it be his first injury when he was with Philly and then having to kind of relearn how to shoot and then going through that, then getting traded. Like, he's... He's been through a lot in just in a very short time. So, I hope for his sake that he can kind of bounce back. Like, I mean... 
like you said, because he's in Orlando, they have a lot more patience just because it's not like they have a superstar right now. Like, you can maybe say Nikola Vucic, but, I mean, he's a good player. But, I mean, like, you're not buying 2K because he's on the cover. I'll just say that. And so I think that they have more opportunities to be patient with him and then because they have, like, a player like Cole Anthony who they have behind him who can kind of, like, learn from it. I don't think he's going to have too big of an effect on the Magic, mainly because nobody expects him to do anything anyway. But it still sucks to see a young player like him go down with yet another really big injury. And it sucks to see. But let's change the subject to another point guard who, I, if you don't, if I don't know anything about basketball, I know Kyrie Irving is going to do what he wants. <laughs> He's going to do what he wants. And if y'all don't like it, tough. It was reported last week, <laughs> earlier this week, that uh, Kyrie just, last week he didn't want to travel with the team for personal reasons. It was a tweet going around and he just didn't want to play. I don't know if that was legit or not. I couldn't tell if that was a joke or if he literally just did not want to play. But, I mean, it worked out because the team ended up, like, catching COVID or people caught COVID. So, it's playing chess, not checkers. And then it got even worse when Steve Nash was like, he doesn't even know why Kyrie, Ky, I mean, Kyrie isn't playing. And he doesn't know when Kyrie's going to come back to the team. Then it was later seen that he was at a birthday party for his sister without wearing a mask. And then another time he was spotted doing a Zoom meeting. He's just been everywhere but on the basketball court. And I just got to laugh because it's just it's, this whole situation is just playing me. So do you trust Kyrie? If you're, if you're the Nets, do you really <coughs> trust Kyrie to, to do anything? All right, so the alleged rumor is the reason why he decided to step away from the team was because he was upset about the things that happened at the Capitol. And as a black man, I get it. I can understand it. I can understand if you decided like, hey, I need to take a game or two away. Mm-hmm. But bro, it's been like It's been a minute. It's been like a week, if not longer. Yeah. It's been a while. Secondly Bro, you doing you do this and then you get caught dancing at a party. I understand it's your sister's birthday party, and like I will understand you going there. That's your family, but it's like, bro, you're without a mask, and it's been a whole debacle about players and contact tracing and things of that nature and COVID protocols, and you go there without a mask. And you're dancing. And the NBA is already having big issues with COVID as it stands. So it's already tough enough. So Stephen A, personality for ESPN, he's always going to come with the high take. Last one he said with regards to Kyrie kind of pissed me off because I thought it was stupid. But um, on a recent episode, of uh, he said, I think Kyrie should just retire. I think he should announce his retirement today. Clearly you don't want to play basketball bad enough. And it's, (laughs) bless you, and it's funny kind of that he said that because in an interview back in 2017, Kyrie Irving uh, said this, one of my best friends told me that he thinks I may become the Lauryn Hill of the NBA and just leave before my prime. I don't know. I'm 25, 10 years into the league, I'll be 29. So it's funny because this was not necessarily a first we've heard about retirement for Kyrie Irving, but do you think that Kyrie is going to end up retiring? Yeah. Probably. And I mean, people forget this. Before the bubble started, he was talking about when he mentioned, you know, players not playing and things of this nature. He made a statement where he was like, I'd, I'd be willing to give all of this up. Yeah. So, I 
I would honestly and truly say it would not surprise me if I wake up tomorrow morning and breaking news on ESPN, Kyrie Irving has announced his retirement from the National Basketball Association. It wouldn't really surprise me either. Just because, like I said, Kyrie's going to do what he wants. He marches to the beat of his own drum. And if his drum one day says, you know what, I don't want to play no more, he's not going to play anymore. And I mean, it would make sense for the purpose of, like, he has had a lot of injuries. It could be a health-related thing, even if he says he's feeling good. I mean, but the gag is he can still ball. Like, we saw early in the year, like... Kyrie was dropping buckets. Yeah, he could still ball, but it's just like... There is no more enigmatic player in the league than Kyrie Irving. He's a player who I could fully expect to see drop 40 in his next game or retire. Like, it's really no real in-between. Kyrie Jeff Hardy. Pretty much, but without the drugs. Without the drugs. Yeah, we know. Yeah, you're right. But I don't – I could just see him hanging it up. It would not surprise me. But in case he does hang it up, it seems like the Nets finally got a backup plan in place – after finally trading for James Harden, who, before we actually talk about the trade, James Harden really said that he was never disrespectful to the Houston Rockets organization. Boy. And then I just want to take him back to what he said post-game press conference two days before. I don't. How is that not disrespectful? Like, that is the textbook definition of being disrespectful. Thanks. Like, bro, this is an organization that since you got there nine years ago, eight or nine years ago, they literally did everything that you wanted. You wanted, <clears throat> you wanted to play with Dwight Howard. They did it. You want it didn't Russ? work. Got you. It didn't work. You got rid of him. You want to play? With, you want to play with CP3? We got you. We got him. It didn't work. You want to play with Russ? We got you. You got it. You want to have an offense where you are the pretty much the point guard and you the sole ball handler. And everybody else around you just stand and shoot threes and play and play off of you. We got you, and it's like, bro. I can understand. I one thing I will say, I can understand the one part where he said, "I did every, I gave this team everything that I had for nine years." Agreed. But they also gave you everything that you wanted for nine years. However, you weren't able to really produce. It seemed like, excluding Dwight Howard, when Chris Paul was there, Chris Paul was the definitive leader. When Russell was there, he was the one who provided the energy. He was the one who really provided the the toughness. Yeah. And James Harden can put up numbers and buckets all day long, but it's just like, like it was funny when he said his leadership was great, his play, like all this other stuff. It was like, where is that leadership, though? Bro, if every, anything, this was the perfect, this season was a perfect opportunity to showcase you were a leader, and you didn't do that. And, like, everybody knows that, like, you were never a true leader because – like you did, people chronicalize that you never had the personality of a real leader. Like you were lackadaisical, da da da. How can you say you were a real leader and you were at a strip club during training camp with little baby? Like that's not something that a leader of a, a basketball team does. They are in training camp working with their brothers to get better for the season. Right. So. And they also show, regardless of the fact that they want to get traded or not, they show up right. in shape. Like, you have not been in shape in months, man. Like, bro, you looking like you're going to hit somebody with the world's strongest slam and then go do a layup. Pretty much. And so, and then I just read, I was just looking at one thing. I was like, he's on like a four-game streak where he hasn't had 20 points. So, it's not like you're even balling out. So, it's just like. He's not trying. He's like, not trying. If you watch the games, he's not. Yeah, because he don't want to be there. And then, 
it's just funny to me how he can whine and say, like, this team, it can't be fixed. This team's not going nowhere. Well, you're not putting forth the effort to make sure it happens. And especially against the Lakers, like, this is the toughest competition. Like, you saying you're not going to beat this team in a seven-game series, okay, but you're not playing like you want to. Like, if anything, just because you're James Harden, people are going to want to trade you just because of your name alone. But as far as actual play, it hasn't been there. But still, he got traded. And he got traded to the Brooklyn Nets. And so here's what happened in this mega deal. The Nets got James Harden in a second-round pick via Cleveland. The Cavs got Jared Allen and Teron Prince. The Pacers get Karis LeVert in a second-round pick from Houston. And then the Rockets get Victor Oladipo, Dante Exum, Rodians, Rodions, uh, corrupts four first round picks via uh, Brooklyn and Milwaukee, and then four first round swaps via Brooklyn. So, thoughts on this trade overall? Thoughts on this trade? I under Brooklyn, I understand, but you just cost yourselves a lot. You lost all your. Debt. You lost all your dip. You lost. You lost your big because, in all honesty, Jared Allen is better. Jared than Allen is a better big than DeAndre Jordan. Agreed. And you, if you make it to the finals and you go up against a team like the Lakers, you would have definitely needed Jared Allen's presence. Right. You also lost a lot of depth because Tony Prince, he's a good defender that can shoot the three. Mm-hmm. Courage is a good three point shooter. Karis LeVert has really been coming into his has own. He's been a baller, and you don't have Spencer Dinwiddie this year. Yeah, you don't have Spencer Dinwiddie, so it's like. Let's just say, you know, Kyrie Irving decides I'm going to retire. Then you mortgaged a lot. Yeah, you pretty much mortgaged the the whole team to get James Harden, and it's like, bro, I understand he's a world class talent, but this is one of those situations where it was similar to uh, I forget what team was it, but it was. It was a team they mortgaged all of their depth on one player. You're talking about the uh, Paul George trade? Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm talking about. And the thing is, is you don't even know that, like, how are you guys going to miss these playing styles? Like, Kyrie Irving, he likes to have the ball in his hands. James Harden likes to have the ball in his hands. KD, he can actually play off ball, and he can be effective playing off ball. But he also, to some extent, needs the ball in his hands also. Like, who's going to be that guy that's going to stand in the corner while the other guy while the other guy's trying to cook to make a play? Right. And James Harden has been playing this way for his whole career pretty much. He's not going to magically – he's been playing like this for eight, nine years. No, he's not going to magically try to change Not him. even eight, nine years. This is his whole career because a lot of people fail to realize that when James Harden was six man in OKC, he had the ball in his hands. He was the guy running the offense for the second unit. Like, it wasn't like he was coming off pin downs and flares and catching and shooting. Like, he honestly and truly had the ball in his hands, and he was initiating the offense, and he was running pick and rolls. So, he's been playing with the ball in his hands since the moment he stepped foot in the NBA. So, how are, like, people going to miraculously expect for him to, like, divert from that now? Absolutely. So, and as far as the Houston Rockets side, I feel like they won that trade except for one thing. I would have kept Karis the very. I would have kept Karis and not got Victor. Because the thing is, Victor Oladipo, he's a good player, but he's an injury prone player. Right. First, he doesn't provide the offensive explosion that Karis can. And that, and it's also like Victor Oladipo, he might just quit on the team. Also, yeah, like he want to go to Miami. The whole the whole last year. 
it was chronicalized to him asking the team, like, hey, let me run with y'all, let me run with y'all. And it's right. like, if he doesn't get what he wants, what he is he going to do? Same do? Thing. He might do the same thing to y'all. And it's like, y'all traded, a, y'all gave away a good up-and-coming young player in Karis LeVert, who I'm a fan of. Right. He honest, he just dropped 43 on my favorite team. Yeah, no, he's going to ball with the Pacers. And I think he's going to be great. <clears throat> like, he could, be a, he could have been a good piece to establish with their future, especially now that you guys – that they have Christian Wood because Christian Wood has been balling out and he's another young player. So you could have had two focal points on that team for the future, but you traded it away for Victor Oladipo. And I understand that you got those draft picks, but you have to hit on those draft picks. Right. And we don't know that you guys are gonna do that. Exactly. But you could have had an established player in the league right now and Karis Levert that he is fairly young. Yes, he's had some injuries also, but that he hadn't had the devastating injuries of a Victor Oladipo. Yeah. So it brings the question of because of course when you see big names you instantly think oh they're gonna go to the finals. Do you think the Nets are going to the finals? Because no, I don't. I don't. I, don't I honestly think that the finals, the team coming out of the East this year might be Philly or Boston. Yeah, I can see between those two. I see either of those two over the Nets right now solely for depth. You don't have depth. Like like you said, Kyrie decided to retire at this very moment. I feel like the Nets are screwed yeah. because you're pretty much depending on these two cats. And you can say, oh, well, we still have other people. We still got Shamed. We still got this. Like, you really don't. Like, you got rid of your best depth pieces. Like, I feel like it's already going to be an uphill battle, and I think it's going to be a major clash of styles. And so I think like, Brooklyn's going to look back and regret it. Like, I'll be honest. If it was the same team that still had Kyrie Irving and they dealt, I would have had them going to the finals, especially yeah. with the way that they had been playing. Right. Like, they look like a juggernaut. Right. But now, I I can't see it. Yeah, I don't see it either. And I think that they pretty much mortgage their future. Like, remember how the Nets did with Boston trying to get KG yep. and Paul Pierce and gave up? They just did the same thing again because they don't have a first-round pick to, what, 2028, something like that? Something like that. So, yeah, no, it's rough. But speaking of other rough things, COVID. Because COVID is rough. It has been running rampant throughout the league. In fact, I think it was just reported that five players for the Wizards just tested positive. Carl Anthony Towns tested positive. Yeah, he night. tested positive. Games are being postponed left and right. And we are starting to see a major influx of COVID. And it's wild because just a few months ago, we saw how perfectly the bubble worked. But not every player is feeling the bubble. Um, one player in particular, LeBron James, said he doesn't want the bubble. Uh, when Axie said, I started shaking, thinking about 96 nights in that place. Um, Damian Lillard also said similar things about not wanting to go back. Then the NBA announced that they're going to put in force more uh, stricter rules as far as safety. Um, and George Hill uh, had this to say, they can't tell me I have to stay in a room 24-7. If it's that serious, then maybe we shouldn't be playing. No one's going to be able to just cancel their whole life for this game. Where Shai uh, Gilgis Alexander for the Thunder said, if it means I have to wear a mask on the bench the whole time, it is what it is, and I'm going to do it. I want to get back to normal living. So it seems that players are kind of split, bounced around. I know another prospect as far as like hitting uh, players is expanding rosters, you know, signing players from the G League. Uh, Jamal Crawford has been a proponent of this. Uh, John Morant was just supporting it. But do you think that the, the the NBA might just have to bite the bullet and postpone the season or at least pause it? I think they're going to have to pause it because and figure out a plan mm-hmm. that can actually work because the thing is I can agree with I agree with George you like if it's that serious to where it's like everything else in my outside life has to be shut down 
maybe we shouldn't be playing this because it's like he's a veteran in the NBA. Right. He has a whole family. So you telling me I have to be stuck in this room, whatever, and like and not see my family? And I'm in the same city as them. It's not like I'm in the bubble. Yeah, no, so I'm like for that. it's like I can understand it. I think they're gonna have to. I think they need to pause the season and honestly and truly have discussions with the players' association and health officials to figure something out. Like in the bubble, I can I can understand it. It's not. It was great for what it was. Mm-hmm. Just but, to get the playoffs, but to finish a whole regular season and yeah. then the playoffs, nobody gonna do that. Like. All the way that I can see the bubble doing like some something like that coming about again with the bubble is like if they had the bubble but then they would have breaks. And the thing of it is, is like in those breaks, who knows you could potentially risk people getting COVID again. Right, and I feel like they wouldn't want to do that. And it's just I agree. I think they should pause it. I feel like at this point it's not much it's this it's too early in the year. Yeah. If it you were if it was playoff time and this was happening, then yeah, like I feel like you would try to maybe bounce around the idea of a bubble again. But, I mean, players just got out of a bubble. They just got out of not being able to see their family. Some of them barely had time in off-season to, to actually spend time with their families before they had to jump right back in. And so I think this kind of shows that the NBA season was rushed a bit. Like, I feel like there should have been a longer off-season because it would have gave them more time to come up with better protocols to deal with COVID. And I think they're starting to see the effects of that. So, yeah, I think they should have postponed it. But – in the meantime, we still got games. So let's make predictions for tonight's game, starting with the Houston Rockets, the New Look Rockets, taking on the San Antonio Spurs. I got Spurs. I got Spurs. Orlando Magic versus the Brooklyn Nets. I got I got Nets, I guess. I got Nets. Um, Charlotte Hornets taking on Toronto Raptors. I got Raptors. Yeah, I got Raptors. Detroit Pistons versus the Miami Heat. I got Heat. Heat. Uh, Philadelphia 76ers taking on the Memphis Grizzlies. I got Grizzlies. I got Sixers. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is this Sixers at full strength? Because I don't think so, no. If it's, if it's Sixers at full strength, I have Sixers. If it's Sixers at not full strength, I got Grizzlies. Heard. And then uh, Atlanta Hawks versus the Portland Trailblazers. I got Trailblazers. Me too. And then the Indiana Pacers and Phoenix Suns were supposed to play. But the game was postponed because COVID. But all right, let's talk WWE. Look at you putting it where he is. All right, so starting off our WWE discussion, the dates for the next three WrestleManias have been announced. Woo! Let's start off with 2021. 2021, Saturday, April 10th, and Sunday, April 11th. 2021 at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, Florida, a.k.a. where they were supposed to have Mania last year. God damn it, we're going to use this parachute. We're running out of light. I mean, I'm not mad at it. And then next year, they're heading to Arlington, Texas to be at AT&T Stadium for Sunday, April 3rd for WrestleMania. Fill in the blank on the number. The theme it is, wait, it's Texas, so that's the thing. Texas. Cow- Cowboys, stars, cheerleaders, Ooh. blue. Like the 25th anniversary was definitely not the 25th anniversary. And then font. It's the 24th anniversary. And then finally, they will make their way to Hollywood. In two years. Yep, 2023, April 2nd, SoFi Stadium, which actually is a beautiful stadium for non-football fans. It's really nice looking. So, Keezy, we saw the formula last year that two nights of WrestleMania can work. Yeah. Do you think that history will repeat itself and it will work again? Yeah, you know, as long as you keep the same format as you did last year. Three hours, 
maybe a, maybe one night four hours. Was okay, we don't need two seven hour nights. Or hear we me really out. Need, we don't need a full school day, like because we got like nine hours worth of wrestling because you got a two hour preaching like a freaking seven hour match. I know I'm exaggerating a little bit, okay. but come on. But hear me out here. Hear me out. Make it all the hours, both nights. Take up all day, both those days. Imagine. That, you, got, you put it past them. Because you got Raw, NXT, SmackDown, 205 Live, NXT UK, but probably a takeover somewhere in there. Which I'm perfectly fine with. I'm like, huh, this this is a lot of this is a lot of wrestling. I look at it like I have no problem with it just because football season's going to be over. And so, like, I'm not going to have anything to do on the weekend. Good catch! But so, I'm sorry, watching football during this. It's just, it's just WrestleMania week. You, you prepare for a lot of wrestling and sign pointing. Y'all, y'all can say That's word. Royal Rumble. Winner, point. Or if you're in the case of Randy Orton, you try to point it seven times and it doesn't work. <laughs> the pyro doesn't come out and you're no, hey, going don't, don't insane you know, in the ring. You know he, he's a murderous person. He, he killed a man on my live paper. Okay. I mean, is it a man or of a fiend? I mean, he still, he still murdered him. And I mean, he, and did his pose. In the but pub. did he die? Yes. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he burned him alive. Oh, just talking about. Like, huh? Just imagine, like, huh? This her horror rumble season. I got mentioned the greatest stage of them all. Excuse me. All right, let's try that again. They weren't ready. <sighs> so take six hundred fifty-three. Okay. You guys can't see us doing it, but, you know, just look up Randy Orton angrily pointing there's at the a, WrestleMania a, side. We're on 2009, okay? Yeah, yeah. it's it's uh, pretty hilarious. Pretty much good a good Rumble match, though. Very good Rumble match. R- Ronald Van Donald returned that night. He absolutely deserved to win, but, you oh, know. The King is spoiled <laughs> during the match. He's like, Randy should win this one. He was about to relieve him. I'm like, God damn it, King. <laughs> Shh. The King, he's, he's a confused old man. I'm actually... I'm excited for this year. I just want to see the power show. Me too. Honestly. <laughs> well, I'm going to see, I want to see the power show. Like, somebody jump off this. There's no fans. You, you can do it. Yeah, free brand to do it now. They're definitely going to have fans at Mania. You know that's not right. Because they're going to be in Florida, and Florida just does not care. They're going to have fans there. It may not be many, <laughs> but it's going to be some people well, in those stands. Six. No. Hundred. Patrick, how many mattresses do you think there are? Twelve. <laughs> that's how many fans are going to be there. And hopefully we're two of them. But, uh... I'll take that week off. I mean, you ain't said nothing but a word. I mean, you know. You say... No, we're, we're on match. We're not like people in Florida. Right. Or Arkansas. Or any place that just have a match mandate. We're, we're not... We're not, we're not, we're not like those people. I'm wearing my... I'm wearing my don't touch me. I'm don't touch me. Speaking of someone who, uh, you know, needs to wear a mask, Drew McIntyre tested positive for the COVID early in the week, keeping him out of action for Raw. Of course, he said that Goldberg's next, all this other crap that nobody really wants. But it's going to sound crazy. But I think that could be a good thing. Ask me why. Why? Because I think that it can allow other people more opportunities in the spotlight. Yeah, you saw that. That didn't look good. It'll it'll allow people who don't normally get that TV time to get TV time. Of course, he's your champion. You're going to have him on TV. So who do you think he is, Brock Lesnar? But mm-hmm. I do think that this will allow, because he's not taking up time in matches, it could give other people more match time. What about a person like a Sheamus, a Keith Lee, a Bobby Lashley? A Mustafa. Hey, bro, you can't get that mic no more. You can't get a live mic anymore. Come on, how, how about Mustafa, you know? Well, 
He's he's doing he's doing some good things with with that Irish that um Richard O'Shea. Yeah, but you know apparently he's supposed to be leaving soon because he's not going to sign his contract because Wrestler well, Observer knows like, everything. Oh, this, this, this is a lie. Here's yeah. another thing. Why do y'all why do y'all know people's contract and how do y'all know people's contracts? Stop doing this weird. Also, I mean, <laughs> I don't. It's very weird. Like y'all know why it's like. It's one thing to know, like, how long it is. It's a whole other thing to know, oh, it expires at the end of this. I'm like, why do you know this? And well, how do you know this? Unless, you know my business. unless you're making the percentage of that deal, boss, move. Like, who's back here re- releasing contract information? I don't know. I know the wrestlers really aren't. Oh, wait. Okay, I signed a contract. Like, okay. But y'all just know when it's up and everything. Like, y'all stop doing that. You know. You. Uh, I, I want to call you a wrestling journalist. I want to call you a wrestling journalist, but y'all proved every time that y'all aren't. Y'all <laughs> just, just stop. It's weird. Sometimes you guys say cool stuff, you know, like for talking points for the show. Other times it's just like, oh, why are you in that business? Right. <laughs> like, who cares? But yeah, what what are your thoughts on Drew McIntyre getting the COVID? Of course, we want him to be. Terry. Well, yeah, of course, shouldn't be flexing with the old racist. My hey, Drew, you want a picture? Okay, what do I do? You got post what? Do I have Just, to? He sucks. We'll give you a bonus. Fine. <sighs> Can I go now? Oh, also, Goldberg's gonna be in your face. What? He's gonna be in your face later. But I gotta fight Keith Lee. What? Oh, okay. What they gotta do with me? You're gonna face Goldberg now. Why? Because. We love you putting you with old men. Ratings for the Rumble. It's the Royal Rumble. People watch it anyway. Yeah, but... Okay, look, I'm not going to lie to you, man. Roman didn't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Well, you're here's not Roman. Thing. Here's the thing. He already signed a contract. So, have fun. But yeah. yeah. Speaking of Roman. He's hot. Um, Adam Pierce, don't try to smack down next week because you actually got one over on him. This past Friday, like, I would not come to work. You are skipping ahead of the I, program. I understand, but I mentioned we mentioned Roman, but like... Okay. Yeah. You're don't, skipping ahead. Don't come to work, man. All right, but you want to know something else? Who shouldn't come to work? Lita. She almost did. Lita shouldn't have <laughs> came to work back in January of 06. We all know the live sex celebration. We all watched it. We all sat there awkwardly confused. Yeah, Rick was aggression or something. Was insane. You don't know who made it even more insane. Rick Flair. Rick Flair made that whole thing even more awkward <laughs> than it already was. I won't say insane. Like, he just made it. Like... A lot. <laughs> Simply put, a lot happened during the live sex celebration. And I don't know about anybody else. I can only speak for myself. But for me, it would be a hard nah. It'd be a, a very solid hard no. And also, apparently for Lita, it was a hard no too. Now, during a recent uh, Twitch stream, the Hall of Fame Lita expressed that the WWE threatened to fire her if she didn't do live sex celebration with Edge. She said that Edge and John Cena even tried to convince Vince McMahon not to go through the segment. Lee also tried to talk McMahon out of it along with other superstars. But uh, un- unsurprisingly, Vince McMahon was like, nah, I want to do it. And he didn't budge. Finally, Lita said that Vince McMahon threatened to fire her if she didn't go through with the segment. She followed through with the segment, and that played into her decision to leave the WWE shortly thereafter. We know Vince is insane. We know Vince is not like, of his right mind. Really, everybody said, hey, no, but how about yes? But no, no, she doesn't want to do it. Are you in charge? Damn. 
And this is back when Edge and Edge and John were cool, but they weren't as cool as they are now. So they didn't have the pull. They didn't have the clout for this. Even though I feel like Justin, he had a little bit. But like, if this was like, this was like, nah. Not nah. enough for this. Like, nah. Nah, I want to see some titties. I want to see. The fact that she had, she had a boob slip on you know, live TV as well. Facts. This is like, hey, Rick Flair made an RPD. Incredibly at, awkward. At the end of the segment, Justin's going to give you an AA. Where, no, AA don't you do that. Don't you do that. This is We're taking this back to 2006. Yeah, Call it correctly. I was about to. You interrupted me. Okay, but you should have just called it right yeah. first. He gave you an F at the end. Like, then you're going to actually release then on your last day in the company. You're going to have a wholesale. Wholesale. Okay, but to be honest, to be fair, let's backtrack to that that day. He did say she's not bad. She looked on and was like, not bad. Not bad. So, you know, you got a compliment. Jossie thought you looked good. She put that clothes on. I mean, yeah, she does look good. I mean, this she's was pre-bangs, so, I mean, you know, better time. Bang, yeah. The bangs look terrible on her, but she was still cool in the ring. She's she like, I'm going to leave now. I don't care how I look. <laughs> But yeah, like, y'all are y'all, y'all are literally doing this to me on my like my last run, so I don't really care how it looks. Yeah, in truth, like how sh- I don't think that uh, hmm. I I don't think that Lita deserved to go out like that because it's tough, especially because that's a really compromising position. Man, I don't have I don't have sex on live TV. Oh, tough. Well, you're gonna do it, and that's like a terrible way to go out. It's really unfortunate, and I hate to see it. Especially being like considering like all she did for your women's division, you know, she showed women could actually wrestle or something like that. But on the other hand, this is gonna sound bad, but I'm saying it. I don't care. Like I said, how she went out is terrible, especially knowing that this like was a big part of that. Stephanie McMahon still got it worse. In terms of just overall slut shaming, she got it worse. The wholesale is is terrible. The same thing you got to do in the attitude era when literally when nobody cared. Everybody got the rock. Your own your own husband. Chris Jericho, Kurt Angle. How are y'all friends? How are you and Chris friends? I'm not friends with none of you people. All all they did was literally rag on you. Even your even your own daddy. And this was like, Dad, I, I'm your daughter. Can I at least get a little bit? No. She always had the worst time. Hey, Rashad. Oh. I'm trying to. I'm about to have. a... Baby, calm, calm the hell down. Yeah, so with that being said, the leader thing is messed up, but unfortunately, I don't know Vince McMahon personally, but I don't think I just know him personally to say that this does not surprise me at all. I can believe this 150%. At least she didn't have to kiss Vince. Yeah, that's totally... Um, I mean, she had to kiss his ass. His doughy white alabaster keister. I mean, so, you know, you got that going for you. Nah. Uh. I'm, I'm glad she left when she did. And like, you know what? Nah. Uh, I, 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 I'll I go putting somebody putting somebody over. Mickey, I'll put you over. Um, I'm, I'm going home. <laughs> Call me when y'all get some sense. She didn't come back to until like, <laughs> I think Raw's 15 year anniversary. I think when she fought Heath Slater. I'm guess yeah, I think that was then. And cause then she came back again when they unveiled the new women's championship. Then the rumble. Then she started coming back more frequently. But yeah. Then so. that 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 show that's that's a mystery, um No no no. Before it? Evolution she was doing the main young no, class. That's how she came back during that time. Oh, before, yeah. Right? oh yeah. She got back doing like the big moments like yeah, I show for ease, but don't call me anything else. <laughs> yeah, so it's all good, you know. I'm I'm get, get the fuck out of my face, Vince. Bro, he's married. 
Okay. When has that stopped him before? Which is a good point because he was definitely married when he started sleeping with Lita. But, you know, let's stop dwelling on the past, you know. Let's talk about the, the here and now. Not technically now, but, you know, in a couple Two Sundays. <laughs> the Royal Rumble. My favorite pay-per-view of the year. Let's look at the card, buddy old pal, shall we? Starting with the men's Royal Rumble match. So, thus far, here are the participants that we know of so far. Daniel Bryan, Bobby Lashley, AJ Styles, Randy Orton, Otis, Jey Uso, Cesaro, and 23 to be announced. Oh, Shinsuke. Shinsuke, sorry. He burp. But, uh, so far, how you, how, you, how you like the pool so far? How you liking it? I like it. So there's some that, that smack down inside, you know? You got some good names in there. And speaking of SmackDown, says I'll get a win. Clean. In a good match? Uh, he got a clean win. Yes, he got a win. That's the first thing. He got a clean win. I'm like, huh? Yeah. This never happens. Wow. Grab all the animals. In a singles match? Against a, form, a five-time former world champion? Why? Hmm. But you know, it's almost like he's good or something. Let's move on from that, after that moment. Oh, Shinsuke has all things on back. I'm so happy about that. Oh my gosh, I love the old thing. I like both you, of them. you know how much I love the Rising Sun. It's it's so, it's so badass. It's so good. I, I just need to hear the intro to it now. Okay, I'll get excited. I don't want to get copyrighted. Women's Royal Rumble match. So here's who we know thus far. Nia Jax, Charlotte, Bailey, Bianca, Mandy Rose, and Dana Brooke. You know, like the field. Uh, I can see. I see a couple of winners in yeah. this uh, pool. Six. <laughs> you need twenty-four. You got yeah. six. <laughs> I like. I, I'm cool with the pool so far. You know, I won't. I'm not going to give my predictions too early, but I, I can see a winner or two uh, in this match. A woman's going to win the match. I know that's groundbreaking news. Hey man. That's groundbreaking news. Now look, 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 look. I know, I know. It's kinda early. It's kinda early. See what's early. But that's not a woman's gonna win it. You wild, bro. This is the boldest prediction. The man's? A man. Hey. Hear me out. A male competitor's gonna win that one. You're insane. You're out of your mind, bro. <laughs> you are. I know. I, I know it's bold prediction. I know. You are. This what we. This what we do on this report. We make bold predictions. You are so. sipping on some silly juice. This is insane. I. I, I mean, I had what Street Puffers had. Um, as as more of a quality, oh, uh, numb, uh, numb juice. A broken knee because I'm not gonna lie, they messed up Monte's knee. I'm kind of surprised he could kind of walk. All right, the Universal Championship match. We kind of touched on it earlier. Prior to Friday, we all believed that it was going to be Adam Pearce stepping foot in the WWE ring for the first time versus our tribal chief, Hail Chief. Head of the table, you're an our universal champion. Roman Reigns. Just case, just case you're listening, you know, we got all respect for you. Just just in case, you know, don't, don't come beat us up. With that being said, um, Kevin Owens fleeced him, did some trickery, and now it's going to be a last man standing match. Um, Adam, do not come to work Friday. Um, Please, you, because you know, like, he, you signed three contracts. Like you just signed it. Like okay, like I don't want this match. Like here's another contract. Like, I don't know who gave oh, you permission to say you didn't I, want this. I, match. I don't, Paul. I don't want this match. No, Roman said. This. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, Adam, I'm sorry. Adam, Adam. He, just, he just signed it. Like you want it. All right, no, he's just signed mm-hmm. it right here. Like thank you. I don't know. It's not that simple. Yeah, Adam said, like being WWE official, 
Uh, you should know that um, contract always stays in every single one is subject to change. You know, I have a bum knee, you know, from you know, years of wrestling. So, I'm going to do what official would do, you know, find a suitable replacement. And Roman, like, what? Y'all, if y'all watched me, y'all saw Roman's face. He was. He wasn't feeling that too tough. Adam, do not, please do not come to work. Oh, and also, speaking of people, <clears throat> Mr. Charles Robinson. You don't want to be on Roman's bad side, you know? I don't Jay, understand why people think that's a good place to be. I mean, you you, you heard what Jay told you. you know, your daughter, just, she just got married, you know? You don't, you don't want to be fired, do you? You don't want to lose your... He putting food on your table. You might want to uh, respect. So uh, you might want to do your job correctly next time Jay has a match. You know, he will tell Roman to... Uh, you know, <laughs> so why? Uh, I hope you, you like you, eating, boss. Yeah, you, you all run the show. Don't forget it. You, you, ooh. But seriously, Adam, don't, don't come to work. I would. And uh, Kevin, I'd quit. Kevin, we like you. Kate, have you, you? You got beat up multiple times in one night. Then you showed up. Then two nights later on Sunday, and got beat up some more. Then the following Friday, you had a cage match. You know, next week, you just, then the next week you. He threw you off from the LED. Kevin, we love you. Stop fighting him. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. This is the last man standing match now. Now he's just gonna kill you. So. All right. Mm -hmm. Roman Reigns lays down for no man, especially not a. Speaking of which, he had a conversation with Apollo back. I was like, huh? I'm interested to see about that. Oh, that know. was interesting. Well, okay. He, he's he, he's thinking with some moment. He's just. Well, you know, he's got a connection. He's down with the brothers. So you know. Now, 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 now. I don't want to be that person, but I'll be that person. I love Kevin Owens. Everybody knows how much I love Kevin Owens. I would have rather seen Shinsuke versus Roman because it would have been like, different. I, I feel like they're doing a, a slow burn. Like That would have been cool, which I feel like it's probably going to be at um Elimination Chamber. Maybe Mania. The long-term the long term story that they're doing, like, huh. Yeah, I'm not used to this. The long-term story that actually makes sense, huh? Yeah, but you know, sometimes hear yeah, me out. When, but they don't have a good history of doing long term stuff storytelling when it comes to Shinsuke Nakamura. You don't like me because I'm brown, because I don't look at you, look like you. Gender, he's Japanese. It's you're right. Gender, you know, you the problems you're doing, the racist. This doesn't make sense. And then you want to get on Americans for well, Americans are racist, but it. You see the problem Gen here. Ginger, your, your promo is what you said they're, they are doing. He's not white. He's, he's, he's Japanese-born. You see the... Born. You see the, uh, the, the I learned, learned this in math. There's no correlation on this plot line. And then from there, you know, he wins the Rumble. Yay. And then... Okay, he loses the Rumble. Okay. Then, and then, then lose. Yes, yes. Like six title matches that still didn't win. Shoddy. No speaker English. That's not me being funny. That's literally what he said. So, which was high key the best part of that year for him. I don't. Okay, you yeah, you lose it, man. Okay, you get a rematch. You win. They're like, oh, you had like six rematches, and you came with six. We hit him in the the nuts, the nads. Look, that Y'all trying, trying to push Shinsuke again, so like, I'm down with it. Then y'all trying to push Cesaro as well, like, I'm down with it, you know, so he's definitely on turn right now. That's how I want to see the match. Which one? Shinsuke versus Cesaro. I don't think I've seen that last week. 
have seen before in the past. I'm sure we probably have, but it might have been on main event, honestly. Unfortunately, because they're just so good. I know that. I know that they're they're probably watching hidden gems on main events. Uh, I'm not watching. It. I'm not I'm watching. Sorry. It. I, I don't <laughs> even want to watch pre-shows. I'm, I'm not like, watching. I'm pretty sure that's some hidden gems. I'm I'm, I'm not doing it. I'm, not. I'm sorry, but you know. I'm sure y'all are great. I know y'all. Not even I'm sure. I know y'all are great. But I, I just, it's too much content. But I just, I just still see the slow burn. Like, like I said, probably at um, chamber. You wanna know a slow burn? A slow. No, no, no. A burn, um, a flame that just needs to die. Goldberg getting. Title matches for no reason. Yes. Case in point. Our next match: the WWE Championship. Drew McIntyre defending against Oldberg. Did y'all? Did y'all? I heard consult, did y'all consult this with Drew first? Like, no. He's not Roman. I mean, he's not Roman. Just because he had a fantastic twenty twenty, that was he, He's not Roman. He kept he kept raw flow barely because he one person He's not Roman. Uh, he does not have the clout to say what he does or does not want to do. That is why he is Roman's favorite number two. He doesn't matter. Wrong. Uh, Vince said, hey, you finna do like, You're doing a good job, you know? You get the stuff that I don't. Roman doesn't want to do. Well, well, I don't want to do press conferences. What do they do? They send Drew. And then you do, you're, doing a, you're doing a great job as WWE Champion. Well, if you're on SmackDown, I'm the Universal Champion. You're Universal Champion. Like, you can't argue with that. Can't argue with the facts. Is, is, is this like, Drew, are you okay? I know you don't want to, I know you don't want to fight him either. I, I understand. Yeah, I got COVID. I can't have him. I can't wrestle him. You should be back by Rumble. I don't, I don't know. You right, but... Uh, <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, I don't want to infect uh, anybody. Uh, I can relate to the title. I stay at home. Don't do uh, that. Uh, I feel like they uh, find uh, some way to just give it to him. Oh, uh, 30-day rule. Oh, that's crazy. Well, uh, I'll see you. Uh, can you get the title? Like, give it to Bobby Lashley. Who? Bobby Lashley? He has a title. But the hurt business, they're, they're like one of the best in your law. What's your point? He's. Man, he's not. He's. My nigga. He's. He's. He's bald. He's bald. Oldberg's bald. He's bald. You know what I mean. I can't. I can't say it. You said it on live pay per view. You, you said it to John Cena. He, 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 John was confused. Hell, I was confused. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm going to talk it's on the network. No, it's not taking off. Right now. He's never going to take that off. He's not. I'm going to tell you exactly why. Because he wants the lasting reminder in everyone's mind. I said the N-word on a pay-per-view and felt no repercussions from it. What's He's this, never going to take it off. Was this Cyber Sunday and Taboo Tuesday? I think it was one of those. I think it was Cyber Sunday. It's, oh either way, he said the N-word and he said it real free. And it's just oh, like... Wait. Did you do that because Booker T said to Hogan back in the day? And he said, hey, Booker T, he's here. I'm just saying it for him. You just, he just don't care. But seriously, if, if, if that match does go as planned, just have him do what he did to Brock. Just have him play Brock like 80 times. And like, maybe they're not some sense to on go there. Like, hey, just take your check and stay at home. Okay? Okay. No. Just, Bill, take your check. And stay at home. No. You, you have a you have a legends concert. You get paid to stay at home. Stay at home. It's okay. You already proved to your son that yeah, you can wrestle. I'm sure he's proved a, a lot of things to his son. None of them are good. 
He's not good. I'm so, I'm I'm not even sorry. I take that back. I'm not sorry about anything. I will watch him beat people up. If he wants to beat up Dolph Ziggler every week, I'm cool. Like, that that worked when WCW and that worked when you unfold uh, like, Just don't let it be for title. Like, I don't need that's to, fine. It is doesn't need for you for a title. Like it's, it's the thing about like I said, if you want to come back and do that, fine. Okay, that, that's what you want to raise up? You wanna do that? Fine. We're gonna no one's gonna believe Dolph is gonna win anyway. Unless he can make you look like a thousand bucks. I will say a million, but you get the dirty side of money. You get paid way more than that. But on the other hand, <laughs> don't come back here. Well, you want to show up every night for, for like a cheap pop? Go ahead. We don't need you to have a title match. The cheapest old pops. Every single time you come back. Hey. Hey, hey Bill. No. <laughs> you want? Look like you look red, heavy ready to go for a title match. Yeah. I, and here's the thing. If I was in your shoes, I wouldn't say no. That's just a bigger patient. But his thing, as a fan, it's like nah. I saw as a, some as a fan. No, I don't want to see it. I saw some on Instagram that was like, if he wins the uh, WWE Universal Cha- whatever champion, it is, champion, there we go, that he will have to be considered the goat. No, I'm sorry. Hold on. Hell no. Nah. Wait, no, just because that's the really the only time he has a woman. Hold on. In in the words of my dog, my good dog, uh, Bianca Belair, girl, uh uh-uh. uh. Don't do that to this, me. This is like, I haven't really watched Raw in two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> like, is everything Raw bad? No, just the structure of like, what the hell's going on? It's almost like they. And like the the certain long the only long term thing I see on Raw is the Hurt Business and then um Mustafa and um Ricochet. And I like that Mustafa guy. He's going places. It's almost like he's good or something All like right. that. Your mic's cut off. And that's our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, please be sure to check out TheExport.net IRP. TheExport.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly fellow export writers. Previous episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The X Report. Brother Q. Speaking of YouTube channels. All right, there you go. We just posted a new wrestling match on our YouTube channel. Uh, Cheap plug. Go check out NPC Game YouTube channel and give us, you know, maybe give us a subscribe, you know. Leave a comment, like, share, subscribe, and all that good stuff. Then go to the Export YouTube channel. Do the same thing. And hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. Hear me out. Real quick. Awesome. Listen to previous episodes of our podcast so you can clown us for bad takes that we had. Because I had several, you know. I'm humble, you know. I'll admit when I'm wrong. I was right this week, though, about my predictions for uh, today's game, so... I'm not gonna cry because I'm a gangster, but, you know. You know, we had two weeks for the... Carter, and I'm excited. And don't you just love wrestling prediction shows? I do. God, I got, I got, I got some tough picks to make. Yeah, because Kiki has an extra pick because he won the last year. Three, three picks. I have one for like each match. Well, <laughs> like, tough. You gotta have two more, or you can relinquish it and I'll take it. Nah. I don't know. Can I have an idea? Like. Well, okay. you got time. Yeah, I got two weeks. At now. least you... Now, you already said that it's going to be a man winning the male Royal Rumble and a woman winning the women's Royal Rumble. So, clearly, you already... You already kind of... You're getting insane here. Getting kind of butt wild. Oh, Santino. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I think that if Santino... You remember Naomi's face from last year? Like, she was... Now, hear me out. Things really matter. I feel like if Santino won the women's Royal Rumble, I feel like people would quit. Like, in masses. Hey, I hear TNA's hiring. 
Alright, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see y'all next time.